Good evening. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Experiencer Podcast, the podcast that brings you upfront and personal with past and present enigmatic experiences from individuals who have witnessed or even interacted with the strange, the extraordinary, and the otherwise unknown existence of UFOs or aliens. If you've had an out-of-this-world experience you'd like to share, please reach out to me at theexperiencerpodcast at gmail.com. If you have photos or footage of UFOs, IAPs, or any other extraordinary phenomena and would like to share it, please forwarded to the experiencer podcast at gmail.com I am humbled to be able to broadcast with you all and share the following experiences from today's guest. I'm going to keep this simple. I'll introduce our guest, and otherwise we'll jump right into the show and let him tell us the gist of it. This is Quartermaster, Second Class Surface Warfare Specialist, El Jefe. We're going to go by that today and keep him safe. Thank you for being here with us this evening. El Jefe is kind enough to spend some time with us today to share and hopefully just maybe inspire folks to a more mind-opening dialogue around this sort of subject. Uh, please, Quartermaster El Jefe, do us a favor and begin by giving us the setting. Maybe start with telling us where and when and how old you were when all this took place. All right, so just, just for reference, uh, what I experienced happened between the, uh, the years of 93 and 97 while I was active duty in the military. Um, and I didn't really see... You know, I haven't seen much of it since then. So tell, us, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about what you did in your position, if you'll give us that setting. Um, I was uh, I did I was a quartermaster in in the Navy, and so my job was to basically make sure we got from point A to point B safely. Um, you know, it's my job to know where we are at all times, and uh, you know be sure we know that, you know, we're not anywhere near some kind of hazard that, that where we can either hit or, you know, uh, shallow, shallow water where we can run aground. And so the first time I experienced, uh, something that was out of, out of the ordinary, um, uh, my ship was built in, in Maine, um, in, in 1993, we sailed from Maine across the Panama Canal to San Diego. And in transit, we happened to cross the uh, Bermuda Triangle. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about the Bermuda Triangle. There wasn't anything funny except when we were in the middle of it, our ship lost power for two hours on the dot. Uh, part of what I do on a ship is to keep the ship's log, which is, essentially a document that that uh, keeps a record of every single thing that happens on the ship. And so it was my job to document this thing. So, um, you know, the 
the ship immediately lost power randomly, and nobody knew why. And uh, we ran around trying to figure it out for two hours. Two hours on the dock, power comes back on, and we managed to continue sailing with no, no other, um, you know, no other incidents. Um, and that was the first time that we were like, "Whoa, you know, what, what, what just happened?" And uh, that now, were you guys just off the port, or were you out in the ocean? Oh, this was in the middle of the ocean. In, wow. Uh, and how often, I'm sorry to interject, but how often might something like that happen, especially with your size or class of ship? Well, I mean, the, you know, there's always <clears throat> stories that you hear. Uh, but, you know, to actually experience it first class uh, or firsthand, to actually experience it firsthand, um, it's a different, you know, it's different. You know, I don't, I've never heard of it actually happening other than uh, secondhand stories, uh, people telling me, you know, that, that they've experienced it, but this was the first time that it actually happened to me. And, and you know, we were, we were, I got I to admit, I was a little scared because I don't know what the hell was going on. Um, but, you know, luckily it was a very minor incident where, you know, we just, power came back on just out of the blue and we were on our way. <clears throat> Did you ever figure out what might have contributed to it, or again, that's what makes this incident just as mysterious? no? I mean, there was there was plenty of investigations. You know, you had your uh, your engineers, your people doing what they do to you know restore power, and they could not. Words. There was no, there was nothing that you can point to that you can say that was the cause for power. We are losing power for two hours on the dock. There was just never anything that came of it. Interesting. And so the, the next incident happened probably a year later. <clears throat> we were again in um, middle of, I think this was in the in the Indian Ocean. We we were either on our way to or on our way back from our first deployment to the to the Gulf, um, and you know we were rolling. Uh, as we normally do in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night, uh, you know, we're doing our thing, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> this big, bright green orb kind of casually rolled up to the windows in front of the bridge on the ship. The, from what I remember, it was probably about the size of a volleyball, basketball. And it was like kind of like neon volleyball? green, like an orb, like a little. It was like a ball that was floating, just kind of floated up to the to the ship as we were going, and hovered there for a second, and it just was gone. What? Now, when you say it hovered by the window, you're talking about like the the window of the main hull, or where were you at? Yeah, that? on the bridge. So, oh, on, the uh, bridge. on the bridge, on the bridge of the ship, you know, where the where they steal the ship, and the captain hangs out, and wow, that, that's that's where I worked. I worked, uh, you know. <laughs> So how many people on were the, on the bridge at that time? Um, your normal bridge watch is uh, one, two, three, four, five, five people um, that all witnessed this thing. Uh, I was a quartermaster on watch, and so, you know, part of my job is also to continually look out and try to um, find any objects or anything that 
could be a hazard to the ship. So, and so, you know, we we have uh, night vision goggles, we have binoculars, we have really really big binoculars that uh, that are available, and so we're always looking out the windows, and then this thing just casually popped up. I mean, you, you can imagine a drone just kind of rolling up to the the bridge of the, of the ship as we're sailing. You know, you, get, you had to be doing fifteen twenty knots, um, and it's just rolling along with us, and mm. you know, and then just as quick as it it came, it was gone, and we didn't see we didn't see it again. What was it? What did it hold with you? Was it Thirty seconds, ten seconds? How long was it there at that window? Um. I mean, it feels like it was there for a second, but it had to be a good 15, 20 seconds that it just hovered there, kind of, you know, trying to figure out what the hell I guess we were doing. Um, and then it just gone, you know. I love how you describe it, you know, like a drone today. That's all the normal. But back then, was it? Yeah, this was in 94, 95. I don't think that those were commercially available at the time. They weren't even barely militarily talked about yet, right? Right, right. Let's, let's be honest, it was the break of the 2000s that both commercially and militarily, I mean, you know, obviously military is five to ten years ahead in, in its practical use, but uh, yeah, we're still early 2000s before we even see it, so this is a good moment ahead. Now, again... You know, and, and, and even if, if it had been, you know, just let's just... Uh, consider it for a second and mm-hmm. you know I don't know that a drone can look like a basketball and shine uh, you know glow like a like a glow in the dark like it was painted with glow in the dark paint but you got to remember we were in the middle of the ocean where there's zero light wow wow and so that's what I was going to ask you can you give us just a little bit more of a description you gave us its size and again did, did I hear it correctly did you say neon green Neon green, yeah. Um, you know, it just glowed. Okay, so it did have a glow to it. Yeah. <clears throat> and would you say, um, did it pulse? Did you hear anything? Did you feel anything? Did you did it have like a glow around it? You know, like it was ionizing the air around it at all? Was there anything else you noticed? I don't remember any of that, and because we're inside the ship, and mm-hmm. you know, separation. It's, it's outside, and you know, even just going outside on, you know, going out to the to the bridge wing. As soon as you step outside, you got wind and noise, and it, it's just very loud, and you can't really hear what's going on outside. So I, I didn't hear anything or really feel anything. It was more like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and and uh, was that window and the object itself five or ten or fifteen feet from you, approximately? Oh yeah, it had to be a good five feet away from our window. And then plus the window it's itself sad was because five the, foot the windows are, are not very big. I mean, the, you know, you got a lot of window, a big row of windows, but this is reinforced glass. Yeah. And the windows are not very big themselves. So I got to say, the windows are probably two by two. Yeah. Maybe a little bigger. And so it had to be relatively close to to see in. Yeah. You know, and this is what I, I'm I'm just assuming. You know, it has I like to be that close though. Enough. You interpret it as seeing in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, what else would it be doing? Right. Right. Wow. That's really something. Is there any other details? Any other thoughts you have about that, or, or about saying? Um, I mean, you know, again, it, it, because I'm the one who had to document it, it. It's you know, it kind of stayed with me. But 
No, I mean, it, those were very brief incidents. You know, they happened and then it was done and yeah. that, was, that was it. May I ask you, um, was your instinct to say, <clears throat> sir, there's something, um, what is it called, buzzing us? What's it called when there, you know, mm-hmm. an object is following us? Sir, there's an object buzzing us outside our window? Or was your instinct like, I'm about to speak and then I catch myself and I'm like, let me see if anybody else observes it before I speak up. What, what was your instinct in the moment? Well, no, it, it was clear that everybody saw it. We were all like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that, again, it happened so fast. Mm-hmm. Before we can even figure out what just happened, it, it, it was done. And, you know, what do you do at that point other than, right, and you I'm know, sure. you, noti- you, you notify the chain of command as required, but there's nothing else to do at that point. And, and there's a chain of command right there present in front of you, correct? 100%, yeah. And, and how they react is how you all react. So if the chain of command is silent, standing in front of you, that means we're not writing a report. Shut the fuck up. Is that? Is that? Yeah, you know, essentially, they, they, you know, at some point they take you off to the side and kind of tell you not to say anything. Um, but you know, it, again, it, because it was so, I guess, relatively minor, a vague of know. an of an incident. Yeah, right. Um, you know, there wasn't much follow up, and you know, and again, I, I never really thought much about it because it was so in and out. You know, it was literally a, you know, a few seconds, and that's it. Right. So, so it doesn't leave much to say from the boss to you or you to anyone else because it's such a quick general incident. Yes, it's extraordinary, but it's so short lived that there's no reason for anybody to do much more than to say, "Hey, keep it to yourself." Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, especially because there was no there was no additional incidents or no follow up or no. You know, nobody freaked out, <laughs> which was probably good. And so, you know, I got to believe they just felt, yeah, let's just leave it leave it here, and that's where it stayed. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. That's really um, just, just quite awesome. Um, was there anybody that you noticed of the five of you that uh, had the biggest mouth, you know, when you looked over and, and you know, observed? No, I, I, don't, I don't remember, <laughs> you know. Anybody else's, you know, reactions or experience because we really didn't even talk about it, you know, amongst the people that were there. And and I gotta I gotta tell you I don't I don't think I could tell you if my life depended on it, depended on it who was up there with me that night. Right. It was that that quick of a night and that long of a time ago, huh? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you gotta remember you you stand so many watches and do this so many times over the course of a four-year um, enlistment, you know, yeah. and see so many people that it, it's it's almost impossible. Even though it was a you know it was a a, a different experience, you know, it just didn't stay with me. No, I hear you. We all talk. We we talk fairly common on this show about how we all have an experience. You still got to wake up the next day. Everything still continues to rotate. And so in some ways it loses its gravity, but, you know, and Mm -hmm. and it becomes just another experience, even though it is something quite extraordinary nonetheless. Yeah. Okay. So if I may, I'm going to ask you a couple follow-up questions and and we'll go from there. And is there any other thoughts on that experience? Um, The year, the time, the, you know, the day, um, um, you know, was there anything else that sticks out to you or any other thoughts? Um, 
that there is um, well, there was one more incident from, from this, this incident. There was not there was nothing really else that that kind of stuck with me. Again, it was because it was such a brief brief event, and you know, I guess immediately everything was internalized, and you know, there, there was really nothing more. Yeah. But there was one more incident that happened that you know it wasn't as <clears throat> you know as as crazy, I would say. Um, again, this is in the middle of the ocean. And, you know, part of what we do is, as a crew standing watch in the middle of the, in the, middle of the, the night in the middle of the ocean, is you're watching to make sure we're not hitting anything. Um, that includes land, that includes objects, that includes other ships. Um, and so, you know, we're doing our thing. I, I couldn't tell you where we were at that time. But... Um, you know, we're rolling around, around and uh, the radar picks up a large contact, you know, near where we were. Um, typically, when there's a contact, you know, there are certain things that you have to do to ensure you are coming nowhere near it. You know, and there's a, a and so, you know, the, the, there's different people that do different things. Um, the 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 operation specialists, they call them OSs uh, at the time. They're the ones who operate the radar and kind of keep track of all that and talk to um, information central downstairs in the ship. <clears throat> and so they're the ones who actually picked up the contact. And uh, typically when there's a contact, you try to reach them, you know, make, make some kind of communications with it. Uh, to find out who it is. A lot of times we know who it is because, you know, they're friendly. Um, but this was, this was a contact where we couldn't figure out what it was, whether it was friendly, whether it was, a, a, you know, a ship or an island or something else. And we couldn't, we couldn't communicate with it. And, you know, when something like that happens, a lot of times we assume it's somebody, <clears throat> someone who, is in need of help. And so, you know, based on what we saw and the size of the contact, which I got to say was, I don't know, I want to say seven to 10 miles away from where we were, um, you know, it, it appeared to be a big ship, you know, potentially one of those big tankers or uh, I don't know. We just, uh, so we started making our way. The decision was made to start heading that way to figure out what it is. And so, you know, when we get there, there's nothing there. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times these things malfunction, but, um, you know, I was sitting there watching this thing and we were watching this thing ping on the radar and, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't it was something where you could say, oh, it could have been a cloud or weather or something. No, it was clear clear skies and uh, there was just nothing there but we we saw something on the radar and something large you know, something huge <clears throat> something really big how long did it stay uh, on the radar um it, it, i i, I want to say that it was there when we got there where it should have been you know but we could not physically with our eyeballs see anything oh wow there. So it was still showing as you pulled up and even after you were on the scene. Yeah. Seat. So we're sitting there looking for this 
big massive thing that we expect to see and it's just nothing there wow now did you uh by chance did you guys position yourselves directly above it do you guys do that kind of thing no, 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 never that close. Again, you, know, you don't want to hit it, even if it is. You, you never want to put yourself in a position to potentially even come close to. And how about either uh, running sending out any vessels, you know, smaller craft to look down in the water or anything like that? Do you guys do that protocol? No, the, the, none of that was done because, again, there was, you know, there nothing. was nothing. You typically don't put a, a small boat in the, in the water unless you have a visual on something, you know. Wow. Um, if if you're just gonna go patrol, we just stay on the ship, and you know there's plenty of tools available. There's lights, there's binoculars, there's there you go. Okay, to look down stuff. into the water. Mm-hmm. And you would assume and if something was sinking, that you would be able to see it or bubbles or whatever. Well, if it was sinking, yeah, we wouldn't we we wouldn't see it on radar. Really? Yeah, I mean, if it was, you know, if it was like halfway in the atmosphere. Radar only picks up surface surface contact. Interesting. Okay. No, so you know, if it was partly sinking, it probably wouldn't have looked as big. I don't know. Did you guys have any kind of discussion around what reality could be while you're standing there at, the, you know, no, something giant you know, on uh, the radar and you're looking at empty space? No, for all I know, it could have just been a, a you know, malfunction of the equipment. Mm-hmm. But this isn't something that was normal. You know, we uh, one thing I guess that uh, I I should mention uh, we had a this was a brand new ship. Our ship had been commissioned, commissioned in 1993, and it was uh, what you would say the, the corvette of the fleet at the time. They had the top of the line equipment, best, best of everything, uh, and so these things just, you know, don't happen. But, you know, again, the discussion was, but there's nothing there, so we'll just chalk it up to it was equipment malfunction and that's where where it stayed but equipment malfunction on a brand new ship with a pretty top of the line radar i take it right well that is that is that is quite intriguing that is quite an incident nonetheless so you know and and that was really the the last time that i remember at least you know that i can remember anything anything major like that happening um so it definitely happened all well, you know, in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Out at sea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's been recent news about the uh, rogue waves. Did you ever experience any of those while you were serving? No. You know, we're talking about, of course, the giant waves that kind of come out of the ocean, and they're, you know, they're still studying what causes them. Mm, no, I never experienced. I mean, we we experienced really, really big seas. Right. But, yeah, not not, not no rogue waves like that. Man, those are, those are still quite the experiences. It's interesting how general they are, but yet there's still really something to that, to travel 7 to 10 miles to pull up on something that's not there, to see something glowing green uh, for 15 seconds by your your main windows of your ship and everybody in the five can see it, um, all the way to uh, your first experience of just losing power in the ocean. Those are really quite intriguing incidents, um, especially when we're talking about large craft or up-to-date vehicles or, you know, top-of-the-line American ships. We all know they do break down at times and even, you know, to the detriment of soldiers themselves and their lives. But this is still quite intriguing to have any of these incidents, let alone all three happen while you were serving. How many years did you serve, if you don't mind? Uh, total of eight. Wow. 
And that was just post or at the tail end of Desert Storm. Am I correct on that? Yeah, fortunately, I, I went in um, right after Desert Storm and right before, and I got out right before or at the beginning of Desert Shield. And it sounds like you guys were just patrolling those oceans if you spoke of the Indian Ocean, huh? Yeah, well, actually, we, we, we did um, on our... our I, I did end up doing one one deployment on that ship, and we got to go to the Gulf, and really just patrol the, uh, uh, you know, the areas of the Gulf that were assigned to us. And you know, at that time there wasn't a lot of action, but it was more, you know, keeping an eye for smugglers and, uh, you know, small arms dealers, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, that was that that was really. We really, we really, really didn't get to see much action. It was, a, it was, um, we kind of came came in out when there was just cleanup being made. Still, every day on a boat, confined with a bunch of men, doing your time, eight years, man. Thank you for your service, brother. That's really quite phenomenal in itself. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it was I'm, definitely an experience. Oh, I bet. I, I can't even. I can't even imagine <laughs> personally, brother. Nothing but respect. Um, so do me a favor. I'm gonna I'm hit you with a couple follow up questions and uh, see see what you have for me. So um, have you ever had prior UFO sightings or you know orbed experiences of the same kind before or since? No, never. Not before. Not after. Interesting. And how about um how about how about have you ever had prior or since paranormal experiences of a you know of a different kind? Um, not really. I mean, you no, know, once or twice, you know, you're sleeping and then you feel like something is on top, sitting on top of you and you can't move. Uh, that has happened to me a couple of times, but other than that, no, not really. Um, Did yours come complete with like the breathing, the loss of breath and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. I've had that in, as well in a number of our experience or guests. We talk about, you know, not just UFO here, but we kind of parallel that with experiences in the paranormal. And, yeah, we've talked about, you know, hearing whispers, hearing voices, being sat on, the com- chest compression, and even seeing, you know, the shadow being. So we, mm-hmm. we, we like to dabble in it all here <laughs> on this show. Yeah. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, no, not, not, not really anything, anything that's worth even talking about. Copy that. No worries. No worries. And 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 do me a favor. How have those experiences, you know, and as small or long as they were ago, how have these occurrences left you feeling? You know, what do you think about them in hindsight? Do you interpret them any differently? Not really. That you know, because they were very brief and very, I guess, relatively um, uneventful events. <laughs> Fair enough. And, you know, and because of the position that I was in, you know, I just chalked it up to this is part of the job. And when, you know, when they tell you don't say anything about it. And so, you know, we, we just chalk it up as, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's just another, another day, uh, you know, another day on the job. Indeed, indeed, and fair enough. So um, how, how about, you know, even if it didn't change the trajectory of your thinking or, you know, get you on some cosmic, you know, track for otherworldly inception, you know, even if it didn't do all that, how, 
about just the experience itself of seeing the green orb? Um, do you think in hindsight, do you think that was enemy? Do you think that was earthly? Do you think that was otherworldly? You know, just taking a couple seconds to yourself. How do you interpret that that object? And, and it's, you know, you definitely made it seem like it was doing reconnaissance. But do you think mm-hmm. it was from this world or do you think, do you think it was ahead of our time? I I I don't think it was something you know human made. Um, you know, even being in the military, you know, you know, I mean, I had access to a lot of information that a lot of people don't. And you know, at the time, I got to believe that the technology that 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 thing had, I don't believe it's something that that we could have been working on. And so um, I always I always thought it was something otherworldly or, you know, another planet, other technology, other... But, you know, again, it, it, it isn't something that I think too much about. You know, I, I, I did miss a question, a descriptive question, and I know I probably drilled you and bugged you on it already, but uh, just back to a description of the ball... Um, mm-hmm. You talked about its green glow. How about its its actual surface? And I know you were separated by five ten feet plus a window and another five feet, <laughs> nighttime, all that. But metallic surface, um, it, you know, silicon. Did you have any mm-hmm. any any sense of its you know its uh, makeup or you know, no? Its but, you know, it essentially just looked like a round light. Um, so there was no I. I don't recall seeing a surface or a texture or anything like that. Perfect. It was just essentially a glowing ball, a glowing light. Um, it was weird because, you know, uh, I, I said it's about the size of a basketball or a volleyball, but, you know, it was just really just a, a, a if you can imagine, a, a floating light. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. That's really cool and intriguing yet and still because our drones today are so small and equipped with at least a camera. So to imagine something that's a basketball size that's obviously has other technology from in, in its propulsion system. So you can imagine if it's a basketball, it's got to be equipped with quite a bit to be that size, no? Right, right. Man, that's really and, you know, and, and it moved really fast. You know, you, you know. Really smooth, uh, you can keeping pace e- with you. Equated to... Your, your drones nowadays that can move really fast, but, you know, this is something that really, um, you know, for its size and, and where we were, that was pretty impressive. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, here we go. I'm going to hit you with another question here. How about, um, right. you know, and not to be too invasive, so please, you know, uh, pardon it, but has anyone in your family had similar experiences? You know, if Pops or anybody else in the military uh, mom or dad spoke of any UFO experiences prior. Anybody else in the family? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Um, at least not that not that I remember. Um, my son was in, in the Navy as well, and he didn't, at least not to me, never mentioned any, any, anything of the sort. Uh, you know, other, there are other incidents, but, you know, nothing... For this, for nothing for this conversation. Copy that. Copy that. 
that's that's pretty cool. That's that's pretty cool that he served as well, man. Again, utmost respect and, and thanks to you guys. Uh, have you ever reported uh, this to any agency, such as MUFON, National UFO Reporting Center, a- any person or, or organization, your experience with the Green Orb or otherwise? No, no, I never. You know, I always, again, just chalked it up to it was no big thing, not necessarily anything to report. I hear you. I hear and, you, you know, that, that, that's how it's always stayed. No, absolutely, absolutely. And so in that regard, you know, I do appreciate you so much, Quartermaster El Jefe, for coming on today and sharing with our listeners and myself your experiences. And, uh, you know, by all means, especially if you haven't gone to any organization or agency before, thank you for taking the time to come on today and share with us. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you again for, uh, for, for having me. Most definitely. You're too kind, and, and thank you so much. Thank you. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in today. If you enjoyed what you heard, don't hesitate to like, subscribe, or follow the Experiencer Podcast. If you have an experience you'd like to share, you can contact me at theexperiencerpodcast at gmail.com with your story. Also, the Experiencer Podcast is building a companion website that will showcase any accompanying photos, footage, or details allowed or submitted with featured podcast episodes. It's in that vein that the Experiencer Podcast is seeking and accepting any footage of alleged sightings, encounters, or experiences caught on camera. Please forward any links, footage, or photos via WeTransfer or Dropbox to the email, theexperiencerpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, everybody, and until next time, be sure to take care of yourselves and never take those eyes off the skies. Good morning and good day.